Welcome to the Vinny Rock Podcast. Podcast. I took the blows and did it my way. It's time, the Vinny Rock Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Vinny Rock Podcast. What's up, y'all? I know it's been a while, but I got a podcast today with Dr. Case, uh, also known as Samantha. She's a psychotherapist and also focuses a lot on heavy lifting. She owns a gym for powerlifters, and, and there's an awesome correlation between the two and why she does it. Uh, I think it's a beautiful thing. And before we get to that, we're going to talk about my sponsors, Core Medical Group. I have so many people hit me up now. It's like you guys have never heard me fucking say it. God damn it. Core Medical Group is post uh, post traumatic stress. Excuse me, uh, is uh, TRT testosterone replacement therapy. A lot of guys with post traumatic stress and TBI suffer from low T. If you guys don't know if that's you, or if you haven't feeling so froggy lately, go get your blood work done. If you guys have questions, I'll send you a text. Uh, I'll send you a picture message of my boy who you can text, and he can get you on board. It is one hundred percent telemedicine right now because of the COVID deal. And they can help you get to where you want to be uh, with your hormones. Hit them up, Core Medical Group. Willie Pete's Chocolate is a veteran-owned custom chocolate manufacturer. <laughs> he makes it out of his own house, people. He has all kinds of different chocolates. You guys go check them out. Willie Pete's Chocolates has spicy chocolates. You like hot stuff? You like chocolate? You like them together? Well, then go get some Willie Pete's Chocolates. Go check them out. GMR Gold is your gold and silver and precious metals, uh, I mean, business that you can trust. Uh, Charlie Stevens is running his his running his company very well because he is a very honest man, and I love this guy. Uh, you guys go check out GMR Gold. You can check him out on GMRGold.com. You can get your your bullion box at any time. It is a subscription based model of precious metal. Right now is a really good time to get yourself some precious metal just to protect yourself because shit's getting weird. I'm not going to lie. Modern Gun School. It is a distance learning gun school, distance learning armor school that you can use your Voc Rehab or your GI Bill. If you don't know about that, if you don't know how to do it, you can you can actually hit me up and I'll explain it to you and I'll send it directly to them and they can explain it to you themselves. I have several guys who are listeners who, who check out the podcast who now use Modern Gun School. Go check them out. If you go to Instagram, it's at Modern Gun School. If you want to go check them out their website, it is www.mgs.edu. Go check them out. New sponsor alert. Woo, woo, woo. You guys should go check it out. Uh, Live Bearded. Okay, Live Bearded is a beard company that is also veteran-owned. Um, I decided to jump on board with them. They wanted to be a part of my my podcast. I really like these guys. They do a very positive message, just what I love. Do better, be better, Live Bearded. Use promo code Rocco to get 10% off. Guys, trust me, it smells good. It's a cool company. Uh, so they're sponsoring the podcast for the time being. And I think it's going to be a very good relationship. Go check them out. Really cool dudes all about just being good people. That's my vibe. Go check out Live Bearded on Instagram. And like I said, do better. 
just like the better motto, you guys already know, promo code Rocco. Get yourself some 10%. Don't forget, you got VinnyRock.com where I have my CDs for sale. I actually got to ship some out today. I'll sign those for you. There's shirts. There's stickers. Um, there's also, go to BetterIn.com. We'll be doing a giveaway here soon. All kinds of good stuff for you on this podcast. This is a special one. I really enjoyed this one, and I hope to have a lot more to come. It's the Vinny Rock Podcast. I did it my way. What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? It is the Vinny Rock Podcast, and today uh, I have a guest. Obviously, we all know that I focus a lot on trying to find answers and, and find value in helping veterans that struggle with transition and post-traumatic stress. So Samantha reached out to me and, well, Samantha, you're everything that I talk about and trying to find answers for. Samantha is a clinical psychologist. I mean, PhD type stuff, correct? Close. PsyD, not PhD, but P- you know, doctor. P-S-Y-D. Yes. <laughs> there you go. So Dr. Dr. Case or Samantha, what would you like to be called? Samantha. It's fine. Samantha. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's some really interesting things here about you that, I mean, obviously you run the gamut of training in CBT, uh, CPT. Uh, I mean, the whole list of mm-hmm. post-traumatic stress, I guess, modalities that, or skill sets that help with people struggling with post-traumatic stress. And I think one of the coolest things is that about four years ago, you stood up another organization that focuses on powerlifting and mm-hmm. helps people who who essentially, I guess, find healing through, through lifting, correct? Am I missing that? Help me out here. <laughs> um, so a little bit of background. I've been working with combat veterans for about 10, 11 years now. I did private practice for eight years working solely with combat veterans. Prior to that, I had a different specialty. Um, and we won't go into that, but it wasn't enough with yeah. just talking some days. And the more and more that I got into powerlifting, which by no means am I great. I just do it more as a sport. I've competed once, but by no means am I a heavy lifter. Um, But just the combination of this style of workout along with psychotherapy for combat veterans is a very unique and healthy way of combining the two in which with powerlifting, you have to focus and be very, very intentional with your movements in order to move up to the next level, to the next weight. Same thing with psychotherapy. You can come in and go through the motions of it and talk and say whatever you need to say without actually working the program and you get the same results. You get a half-assed result with working out and a half-assed result with psychotherapy. But when you combine both of that style of like mentality, then it works really well. So I conceptualized the gym about four years ago, and it actually came to fruition in 2019. And as soon as we got the ball kind of rolling in, which we're combining the gym aspect with the therapy aspect, COVID hit, so then everything got stopped. But we still needed about a year of establishing the gym on its own. So Right, the, the gym as a business itself still has to survive. Exactly, and most of the people that come in here are just people that want to powerlift have nothing to do with military have nothing to do as combat veterans but it is a facility in which the whole purpose of it was built for this and 
we happen to have it as a business also. What drew you into working with veterans? Was it by coincidence and it just kind of happened and then you realized, you know, it, this fits really well for you? Or is there something that's about working with veterans that is kind of more intriguing to you? So one of the first questions I generally get asked is, are you a veteran? I'm not a veteran. Uh, none of my family's in the service. Nobody that I've ever had known prior to working with veterans had been in the service. Um, so I guess I'll get into it. My first specialty was sex therapy. And to there's two sides of it. There's the side in which it's a problem, in which there's the sexual predators and rapists and whatnot. I never did that side. I did the other side. So say Joe comes in and says, hey, me and my wife can't connect sexually. Let's have a conversation about it. We want to try different techniques and this and that. So I had an expertise and a specialty in that. And then I thought I could save the world very um in my young, immature mentality, that yeah. that's how I could save the world is by helping people have better sex. Um, I realized that that was not the case, that there was generally an underlying reason why it would happen in the bedroom. And I switched modalities and I was trying to kind of figure out what else I was doing. A very close friend of mine's like, hey, I know about this job um, with the VA. Do you want to come on board? And I was like, sure. And very quickly, that's when I realized that this was actually my purpose was working with combat veterans. Can and we so back up? Then, Can sure. we, uh, just, just a genuine question. Mm -hmm. and, and when you said that, it's kind of intriguing. Like, you know, obviously the sex therapy is interesting in a sense where trying to help people find that, I guess, that spark again and trying to find, doing the counseling on what is it and why is it. Um, just curious, what would that be for most cases? Why maybe a husband and a wife have lost that spark or maybe a guy's, no longer interested in performing anymore? That's a complicated question. Um, if you're talking about a guy who has not been in the service versus a guy that's been in the service. Huh, let's go with service. Was he in combat or not? Combat. Is he on meds or not? Oh, well, I already know. Doing meds for the VA is an immediate <clears throat> um, message with your libido, 100%. Okay. So let's just take the meds out of it. Mm-hmm. And I asked this question, Samantha. Yeah, let me I would say, I asked this because, you know, in my, I guess, my own personal studies of everything, that, like a, a list of things that goes on in veterans' worlds that mm -hmm. struggle, not even veterans, just men, but but I focus obviously primarily on veterans, you know, when it comes to there's finances, post-traumatic stress, there's drinking, and relationships. Relationships is a big one. And so if, if I mean, just, just to try and fill that quick question. Oh, no, I just... Um... Let me give you one of the multiple answers that it could be. Cool. And by all means, let me give my little disclaimer. Psych is not black and white. It's very much on a gradient. So one answer may hit home for some parts and some cannot. I don't know everything. I make mistakes. I will be proven wrong or right later on in the future. I'm constantly learning. So here we go. Let's just go with one example. So Joe and his wife are trying to have sex. He's ready to go. She's crazy hot and ready to go and they get in the midst of bedroom activities. Yeah. And then it dies off. Yeah. And she's like, what's going on? He's like, I don't know. I really like you. I'm in love with you. She starts fighting and arguing because she's insecure about why it's not happening. So let's pull it back. What happened when you were in the middle of focusing on her or him for those five, 10 minutes? So I don't want to put you on the spot, but what happened when you're with her? Okay. Yeah. The rest of the world got lost. 
it got quiet because you're completely focused on what you're doing and what she's doing. What were you not doing? Can you answer? Uh, no, I, I don't have a, a struggle in this space. I don't know. <laughs> when you're focused, no, no, no. When you're focused on one thing. Yeah. Okay. Let's just say you're playing video games. Right. Do you play video games? I do. I do actually. This is okay, actually so a streaming room. Yeah. When you're playing video games or you're, mm -hmm. whatever, I'll take you out of it. Sorry. Okay. So when he's focused on her, what you're not doing is focusing mm -hmm. on the rest of the environment. Mm -hmm. You don't know who came in through the window, what noise was down the hall if somebody came in. And so now you're left completely vulnerable to somebody that could have come into your home. Now it's not just your safety, it's her safety, your kid's safety. And so now that second nature of needing a protector comes in because you've lost 10 minutes of being able to be aware of your surroundings at home. So it's based a lot off of our, you know, our ability to be super hyper vigilant because of our backgrounds and then trying to find time to turn that off kind of messes with our heads a little bit. I mean, just trying to break it down a very simple term. Yeah. Very simple. Is. And it's the hyper vigilant of knowing that when you let your guard down, what does that mean? Yeah. I mean, well, it, it could be it a mean? risk. It could be a risk for everyone in that household, your family, the one, loved ones and all that. Right. Exactly. <clears throat> and it's complacency. Complacency kills in our world. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And so one of the quick and easy fixes is have sex in the living room or have sex in the room that you have the most visibility for your windows and your doors. So funny because that could probably also just, it's probably, it's, it's interesting. It's just interesting. I think there's a lot of guys listening to it's like, oh, wow, that's probably why I'm, uh, you're more, more into something like that with your spouse, significant other. Mm -hmm. And don't realize it's it's not the fact that it's a fun quickie. It's the fact that you still have time to protect your family. And have visibility without letting on to her that that's what you're doing. Interesting. Yeah. Well, and you don't need to tell her. Yeah, no, no, no. It's just, it's just, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening, like, curious to their own things. You know what I mean? Um, that's an interesting topic. Well, I appreciate it. But let's, <clears throat> so then you jump into the VA and you start yeah. working with, post-traumatic stress veterans. Ooh. Yes. And, you know, I always tell people, like, post-traumatic stress isn't a veteran issue. It's, it's humanity. But uh, we do have a lot of it in our community. So, And PTSD is really just a label for us as clinicians to know what's coming in through the door. Right. Okay? It's, it's not a diagnosis. It's not something that's wrong. It's not really transitioning the combat world to civilian world. And where you get stuck are the mm -hmm. symptoms, and then the symptoms become the problem at home. It's just easier to kind of conceptualize it on our side mm -hmm. as what is happening, not that there's something wrong with that. Like the hypervigilance served a purpose, and it still serves a purpose. It keeps you safe. It keeps them safe. No especially problem. In, especially in today's world, hypervigilance is kind of common, more common. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so... You know, one question that, have, that comes off the top of my head all the time is, and I've actually asked other clinicians and therapists and counselors is is post-traumatic stress is it treatable yes like is there is there a it, it is correct mm -hmm. so i you know i've gone through my own share of counseling post-traumatic stresses uh different modalities and still have residual effects and i think that's probably very common there's always going to be kind of a residual effect of something mm -hmm. uh and and i still to this day have a have a counselor at the VA 
that we talk whenever I feel like, oh man, that sucks that this thing showed its little face again randomly, whether it be a nightmare or a, or a, a, a day t- terror. I, I just turned into the parking lot. There was a dead cat that just freshly got ran over. Mm-hmm. And, and as I looked at it, I was like, oh, that's gross. But I took a really good stare at it and saw like guts and it really made my stomach kind of turn. And it gave me this like sweaty feeling like, oof, you shouldn't have done that because <clears throat> it just made, um, and blood and guts doesn't bother me, but that, that pile of mass did, mm-hmm. right? You know what I'm saying? Just yeah. 15 minutes ago, like genuinely, it doesn't normally happen to me. I usually don't give a shit, right? But mm-hmm. today, for some reason, maybe because I know I'm talking to someone about post-traumatic stress, maybe because whatever the case, I turned and went a little slower and looked at it and there was this pile of of remnants of this cat but like guts that really turned me off and it doesn't happen often i mean i was a medic in the civilian space where you know blood and guts doesn't bother me that pile of, of whatever man really kind of threw me for a loop so pulling it back a little bit is it treatable yes so then as a clinician i would ask you what did your therapist tell you to do when you got that sensation and why did you look into the guts so without you actually answering this question because it's yeah. a personal question Sometimes there's this thing that we do that we whiplash ourselves just in order to not forget. Mm. And it's, it's not forgetting the event. It's forgetting the sacrifice that was made by them or by yourself. Mm-hmm. And so you go and you purposefully look at that and you're like, that hurts, that sucks. And you associate it to whatever mm-hmm. memory that that particular pile meant to you. And then you mourn it. And then what happens for the rest of the day? you're irritated or angry or anxious or sad and you're in this funk and you don't know what it is and then any other thing that happens let's just say me then I'm making you anxious I'm making you nervous I'm making you angry whatever but it has nothing to do with me it has to do with the event that was caused by the guts when you were in combat not with that cat right and that's what therapy is ideally supposed to be is it's it's a puzzle Okay, so yeah. the puzzle pieces, I'm supposed to, my job is to identify which puzzle piece goes where. And you just come back and you tell me, this happened with the cat. Let's figure this out. And so then I pull things apart. I'll go fishing with you and then put it together and be like, okay, so right now we can't solve the cat, but what can we do? Take a breath, relax, relax the jaw, relax the back, relax the shoulders, wherever it is that you hold your level of stress for most people it's the grinding of the teeth it's the headaches because you strain the the neck muscles when you like yeah you grind and then you give yourself migraine most combat veterans have some level of tbi so you're already prone to migraines and headaches and so then you're just kind of aggravating 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 but now you're not thinking about anything because you got Mm -hmm. your headache and when you don't think you don't feel when you don't feel you don't mourn and you don't remember the bad parts but before I accelerate too fast. No, no, good, good, good. Good pace. We're good. <clears throat> um, so I always mess this up. So please forgive me. But whenever I say relax, I don't mean breathe and relax like a civilian. Yeah. I mean, breathe as the combat veteran that you are. And the most second nature that you have, the muscle memory, is when you're about to take your shot. Yeah. And my question has always been, Tell me how you shoot. I always get it a weird look. So um, in boot camp, you guys did snap-ins, correct? 
uh, that I don't know. That's the Marines. Yeah, it should be Marines. But that, okay, well, go ahead. So let's just say what's you're a about snapping? to shoot. What's a snapping? When you practice shooting and you hold the trigger with no ammunition in it. Okay. Yeah, dry fires for, for the Thank army. You. Okay. So to anybody listening, use your own terminology. I don't know everything. No, no, it's good. But so, so then I could just, the listeners will understand one of those. If they're okay. Air Force, they probably don't understand anything about guns. So that's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'll blame you on it. <laughs> um, anyways, so you are taught very specifically to relax your body right about to shoot. Why do you need to do that? To, to keep a perfect aim, right? To have accuracy in the shot, to focus on what you're doing. And what's the purpose of having that? Um, to be good at our jobs and save our lives. And who else's? And the friends that left and right, yes. Brothers exactly. So it's already in there. Mm-hmm. You already know it. So whatever cue you need to use in order to hone that in, you use that when you start feeling all worked up. So once you start looking at the cat guts and you start noticing, you're like, whoa, 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 what's happening? Do whatever you need to do. Line up a shot, focus, take your breath, relax the body, and just keep going about your day. And if that happens in traffic, if that happens wherever it happens, you don't even have to tell anybody what you're doing. You just zoom, boom. Now, secondary part of that is when you're all worked up and anxious, what are you not good at? Uh, communicating? Yeah. And <laughs> me? I don't know. That's me. I, I suck at communicating when I'm pissed. And let's just say you're in combat, okay? Yeah. And there's a guy that's having a harder time than others and is just randomly shooting and just scared shooting. Is he accurate? No. Do you trust him? And so it doesn't work. The more worked up you are, the worse your environment gets because there's less control over it. You're more yeah. vulnerable and susceptible. Sorry. Yeah, a lot of guys in my world, like like myself, my kids have mentioned this, that when things get stressful, I calm down. Like, I, mm-hmm. it seems like I, it's maybe the better part of me turns on as in like, uh, boom, okay, let's assess the situation. What's the best approach? Let's move towards that approach. And it's funny because I'm really good when when it, when things are turned on, when it's like, uh, like even if I've gone to a selection or a course or, or training, that's when I'm always at my best. It's this weird thing where like stress gets higher. I, I, I go into a certain zone. And I know there's other guys that know this. I, I don't know what it, is, what it is about it, but that's just kind of a thing. And the, which is awesome, but with therapy we're working on the times that you can't do that yeah no that's, yeah you're you know, right like when you're in traffic and you can't put two and two together so let's just say i hate traffic i don't know what utah traffic is like but orange county traffic's at least pre-covid was disgusting so one of my examples is something in which you have no control over so you're stuck in traffic and you're gridlocked yeah and you're getting all worked up and all worked up and all worked up and now the kids are yelling or talking, or mm-hmm. you're listening to the radio, or your wife is gently speaking to you, but the level of over arousal starts getting to the point where you can't contain it, so you snap yeah. at them. Mm-hmm. And then now there's a spite, and you're still in traffic. And now mm-hmm. the rest of the day is gone because you got all worked up, and you're like, oh, it's because of traffic. No. So this is where, again, I peel back. So I'll give one more example, and then I'll, I'll let it go. So in case anyone's too honed in on this, we won't get too far into it. But really what happened, was it really traffic? No, not likely. What was is that when you were in combat and you were in a convoy and they bottlenecked you, then they blocked you in. Yep. Kid comes in, throws something into the vehicle in front of you, blows up, now there's an ambush. And then whatever else happened during that event. 
that's what you're remembering is this gridlocked feeling of when this specific event occurred has nothing to do with the traffic that you're currently sitting in. Mm -hmm. And so those are the puzzle pieces that we pull back and we're like, okay, what just happened? And it's not a one-time shot and we're like, oh, okay, I'll get that. I'll do it forever now. But it's just like, when people do ask like, does therapy work? What do you actually do in therapy? Could you ever understand? You never cared, you weren't there. All of that, like, if you're coming into therapy and this has anything to do with me, I'm not your person. Like therapy has nothing to do with me. It should be all about you. Yeah. Because even the guy that was standing next to you has a different experience and you guys were both in the same location. Mm. So that kind of transitioned into something else that I kind of want to bring up, but any thoughts on that? No, it's good. I'm, I'm just soaking it all in. I just, I started trying to relate to my, some of my own little issues and hangups, right? Mm-hmm. But what, keep going. What were you saying? What does that bring you to? How to pick a therapist. Ah, yeah. So I'll give you my experience in this, uh, you know, so, you know, migraine already. Um, Let go of the jaw, relax. <laughs> you know, it's hard. You know, I've done, you know, the therapist I use now is pretty cool because, you know, I can be completely straight up, real, raw. And he's just like, dude, I like you because you don't BS me. Like, yeah, I have no reason to tell you straight up, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the therapists I used for EMDR, I really loved. She was she was awesome as well. And she actually kind of was the first one to kind of open the door to counseling for me by saying things like, you're not weak. Uh, it's a chemical thing that causes post-traumatic stress. And so I'm just here to fix that. She goes, it's not about being weak. It's not about being that, that, that you can't handle it. It's just the fact that your body's human and chemical yeah. reactions store memory into post-traumatic stress. And we just want to try and fix that. So the way she broke that down was really nice for me because being in this alpha male um, environment, my whole career, uh, you know, showing signs of weakness makes you a punk ass bitch. Right. And that's kind of, <clears throat> and just using that term, I'm sorry, no, you're but, fine. but you know, that's just the community I grew up in, right. The community. And I always, I never agreed with that. I always mm-hmm. felt like I should be able to say what I fucking feel like shit, but, um, you know, with didn't not wanting to get judged by the, the, the tough, badass men that I looked up to, uh, mm-hmm. I wasn't willing to say, you know, an honest, like, Hey man, I'm kind of, kind of jacked up right now from this thing that's, that's just bothering me. And so I held on to that for many, many years until, you know, this counselor came along and a buddy of mine from the border patrol was kind of like, Hey dude, I think you should talk to her, you know, cause he knew that I was struggling with drinking and struggling with, with everything in my life. And it was kind of a pileup of a lot of things that were happening financially. I was struggling. I was going through a divorce. I haven't seen my kids. I was drinking a lot. So all these things were kind of the, the cocktail of, of, all right, I'm kind of getting overwhelmed with life and, and ready to, 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 to take that exit strategy. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he saw that and, and had, you know, and that's what started that from there, I kind of jumped into other, like, okay, let's, let's see what else is out there. And the group session was the, I, I would fight everybody in a group session because I can't stand it. I think mm-hmm. half the time I, it just, for some reason, it was still to this day as more mature as I am and, and where I'm at, I feel like I should be able to handle that situation. It still puts me on edge where I want to snatch a motherfucker up. And so I do not mess with group sessions i think they're they're so it's a vulnerable stage but as well as it's it's a position where i don't i guess i don't trust a lot of people's thoughts i don't know Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I, I can't oh, even say. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's something where I'm like, that guy's full of shit. All right. And yes. I don't want to, and yeah. I don't want to be that guy. Right. I don't want to mm-hmm. be that guy and just say, you know, this fucking cook is full of shit or this, whatever MOS, it doesn't matter. I don't want to be an asshole and just say that guy doesn't fucking get it. Right. Mm-hmm. But the only way to save me from that judgment and I don't want to be an asshole is don't fucking put me in that environment no more because that's just not, I, I guess it's too many of us in there looking for a counseling and then it's just, I don't know, it's fucking a bunch of, uh, you know, opposite end magnets, I guess. Or something. And then you can't focus on you because you're focused on everything else. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the VA system here, they make you do that first. Yep. You have to do a couple sessions there first and then they, and then they put you into your, you know, and every counselor they had, I didn't like, I said, I was like, Nope, not him. Don't mm-hmm. like him. And they had, I told him outsource me. And their last chance was finding another guy that didn't work in their department, which is the coolest dude. So, <laughs> so that's who I have now. But yes, please nice. explain explain to me, you know, um, how important it is picking a counselor that I guess you jive with, right? I don't know how to, mm-hmm. a word to put. So finding your therapist is like dating. Meet multiple therapists, uh, counselors, MFTs, psychologists, whatever it is that you want. I know with the VA, it's much more difficult to request new people, new people, new people, but keeping the title of VA out of it, like private practice, whoever that you want to try, go in and speak to them one time. Don't tell them a lot. Just tell mm-hmm. them enough for you to get a gauge without exposing anything that you don't need to expose. Yeah. Within that first hour, you should get a vibe that they know what they're doing, that they're saying things to you that you've known but hadn't put two and two together. Yeah. So take our conversation right now, okay? How much of it did we state that you had already seen, but hadn't been able to really um, articulate? Yeah. Okay, so that's how we should feel with your therapist. So meet five, six, however many you can tolerate. And then if after number seven, you go back to number one and you're like, hey, I actually really liked you, can we do this? and they respond in a professional manner and they're like, yeah, let's go. Great. If they take it personally, then no, get out. Because they're making it about themselves and their ego or whatever, and they're not making it about you, which already sets the relationship up in which now you don't trust them. Yeah. Um, Financial, how much does it cost? That's between you and them, okay? My standard, um, and I'll just speak for myself, is I don't take insurance because they always want to give me that 12 or 24 hour limit. And how long does it take for you to gauge somebody when they walk in the door? Yeah, it takes time. For me, I write, oh, just quick, right there, boom. Exactly. How long does it take for you to trust them? Takes time. Months. Yeah. So it's not going to happen in the first 12 sessions. Yeah. Okay. And then it's not going to happen. And even after that, I mean, I've been working with people for a while and once in a while they'll throw in a test to me and see how I do. It's not on purpose, but it will happen in which they're trying to see if I'm still in it. And so aside from that, I charge what the person can pay. So they say, this is what's going on with me. I like you, how much do you charge? And I'm like, what can you realistically do on a consistent basis so that I don't become something that you're not able to do and you're not eating cat food, you know, underneath the bridge. Like, let's figure this out because I'm in it. For you, I'm not in it to buy a nicer car. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another test that you can do on the first session is be like, okay, and don't lowball them. Like, don't be disrespectful, but 
it's also something that you need to take consideration consideration of. So that's how to choose a therapist in a very generic way. Take a, like also consider: Do you want a veteran or not? What's right. the benefit of having a veteran? They know what we've been through. We've been in the same shoes, right? But then there's multiple things that can come into it. Which branch were they in? What's their gender? Were they in combat? Yeah. Have any combat deployments were they in? Are they higher ranking? Are they lower ranking? It's just, it's a different dynamic that you should consider when you're looking at therapists yeah. versus a civilian therapist and where they're coming from. Crazy. Let me ask you this. Can I tell you, can I tell you uh, something that's happened to me? I've said it on a couple podcasts and I'm just kind of interested on your take on on this and it's very very weird so <clears throat> it's not weird i imagine a lot of guys go through this but um i have these and just for lack of a better term i call them episodes that are um almost as if i, I it will here's the fact the, whatever the time being of that episode i'm gone i'm not in the room i don't even know where i'm at i'm in my head mm -hmm. i'm visually seeing something else and i can't tell you um exactly what it is I know it's a state of panic, uh, fear, um, I guess, in my head. So just real quick, my son, this is just one of, <clears throat> this This is something that happens and we've been trying to, that's why my wife was like, maybe we should go back to get some counseling for you, right? Mm -hmm. um, so the recent one, we had a baby, right? So my, my son now is coming up on a year here soon. Uh, on February 5th, he'll be one years old. But he's a baby and we were heating up. Uh, we have this new, new fucking the bottle heater right you just put water in it and you put the bottle on it and it heats it up it actually heats up pretty hot uh one of my sons who is now 11 who was probably just you know just 10 at the time turning 11 <clears throat> was like dad can i can i hit the bottle I'm like yeah so this is like in the morning we're all getting ready for school kind of thing mm -hmm. right i uh go to brush my teeth and as i'm brushing my teeth i hear a scream that comes out of him he was trying to take the bottle out, doesn't lift it high enough. It tilts the whole thing and pours hot water on him. Now, not hot enough to cause any issues, mm -hmm. but I didn't know that. All I know is the scream that came out of him scared me so much. I was kind of yelling at the top of my lungs, running down the stairs, never even got to him, but like yelling. Uh, and I, I don't remember any of this. My wife's like, but what I remember later on is that my wife comes down the stairs, just looking at me saying, calm down, calm down, calm down, calm down, you're home, right? And, and that's when I kind of came to, my son's crying. Uh, I eventually kind of break into tears. Um, the, all the kids are like, what the fuck was that again? You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I ended up just going to my room and just kind of like, I needed, needed a moment. I felt bad. I didn't tell my son, sorry. So later on, I drive to his school, take him out of class, give him a big ass hug, cry in the fucking car, put him call my counselor, right? Mm -hmm. And my biggest problem with all that is that there's, of a man that loves to have the control of his life and how things are, I lose complete control, which makes me feel very uncomfortable right. that, that I don't know when this thing shows up or how it shows up or when it's triggered. But the problem is my fear is that it gets it gets triggered at the wrong moments when they actually need me to do something. If that kid was burning severely bad, I should have been able to jump in. It's something to do with burns and me uh, and fire or something like that that really fucks me up. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't know, is this, how can I, what kind of counseling, and I, this is probably a, a seven layer cake of a question. I, I right. so many different things, but I guess, what is your initial thought on something like that? Is it common you've heard stuff like this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, what event has that association to it when I you were in combat? Yeah, I worked on a family of seven that were burned from a dad put gasoline in a kerosene lamp when they were eating and it blew up on them. And when I wasn't, when I wasn't doing door kicking kind of combat missions, I was volunteering in the cash for casualties. And so they showed up and we were working on this family for uh, probably two weeks. By the end of the two weeks, uh, so we would, we would scrub their, their body, you know, with, with burns, you have to, you have to remove the dead flesh and, and to allow it to grow a, a clean fret, f- flesh. But uh, the extent of their burns, um, they were having trouble uh, with infection and they were having trouble with regulating body temp. And the problem with all this is that after we see them, we have to send them back on their way to an Afghan consulate or some sort that kind of, uh, I guess, houses them. And almost every morning we were losing people. I mean, a family of seven, by the end, the mother was the only one that survived. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking from a baby all the way up to kids that were probably 16. Um, and I've worked on every single one of them. And, you know, and just day in, day out of smelling, you know, burnt flesh is one of those things that kind of gets stuck to you. But I guess I think for some reason, knowing I have kids and working on these kids really had an effect. But I didn't know it had an effect until later on. I'm talking years and years and years later. It showed up because the first time, this same very similar moment with another son of mine, I was cooking ham for Thanksgiving and I fell asleep. I I just woke up early in the morning doing this whole Thanksgiving feast for the family. I do all the cooking when it comes to that. It's just something special I like to do, Mm -hmm. but I was exhausted. And so by like 1130, 12 o'clock, I put the ham in the oven and the glaze was pouring over the side and, and creating smoke in the house. I'm asleep. My wife said, babe, there's something burning and boom. There you go. I'm gone. I remember, I don't remember any of it. We had a video camera in the house and it caught it all. And watching it made me so uncomfortable because it wasn't me. I would jump over the couch, jump back over, laid down, got back up, screamed at nothing in particular, just screamed, jumped over, turned off the oven, came back. And I was like, it was like I was assessing the situation or at the same time, like, oh my God, my family's burnt. It was this really bad scenario and the sad part is my son was sitting on the couch and freaked out of his mind because dad's jumping over him doing all kinds of fucking Africa but I was like kung fu panda in this motherfucker jumping around like a crazy person mm-hmm. <clears throat> so the next following questions don't answer them I won't. because we're in a public setting right and this is your own private thoughts yeah but we would go back to the situation in which the first one with the family which of those children was screaming to that point when you were doing whatever treatment to them? Or was it the first time that you heard them? So don't answer it. But there's a connection between that same cry that your son had to whichever child that pushes that. Same thing with the fire. There's very specific events. And so one of the things that you should remember is that Sorry about that. You're good. Go ahead. One of the things you should remember is that all the other things that have happened in which there is something that happened that was bad, you were on it. You didn't go into a zone in which you couldn't protect your family because the triggers are so subtle that there was no actual danger. So you know the difference between a pain scream and an injury scream. Yeah. So if your son had actually been injured, 
you would not have gone into that mode, okay? Mm -hmm. And even in the mode in which there was fire, you were able to turn off the danger and then go back into a mode in which you're assessing the situation as though you are back there, mm -hmm. okay? And one of the key components is speaking to your kids. Don't hide it. Don't yeah. tell them all the bad stuff. It'd be like, you know, this is, this is what happened. Daddy was scared. This is what you need to do when daddy is scared. Tell me that I scared you so we can have a conversation about this. Like, it's okay that I scare you sometimes so yeah. that the kid can grow up knowing like, oh, this is just what happens with dad. And I can talk to dad about it. I'm not going to go do something bad about it. Right. So with that, you go back to your therapist and you're like, okay, this happened. Let's go back to that specific event. And let's more likely than not, you haven't mourned what that event was. You went through the motions, you took care of what needed to be taken care of but you didn't mourn what that meant. Yeah, no, it's, it was, it was a, an interesting deployment because it was the days we're working, we're working, and it's like every other day I'm jumping into the cache or when I get off mission early, I'm jumping over there. Because of this scenario, I was, I was trying to show up as much as possible, kind of keep tabs on how it's going. Yeah. And it was just, it was just a, I guess it really affected me, but because you're in combat, because you're in mission, you know, the mission comes first. Uh, I was putting it in, you know, I was seeing it, I was evaluating it. I hated it, but I was still focusing on the mission, right? And so, as a as a secondary uh, skill set, just understanding in the medical space, you know, I it actually consumed me seeing this family just completely be destroyed. And another factor to consider is the loss of control in that situation. 100%. When you're knocking down doors, you kick down the door. You've got your weapon. Yeah. But the family, it's not there. Nothing yeah. that you do or did Goodness. made that change. Yeah. Huh. So I'm sure there's tons of veterans that come to you. And so how did you, going on to a softer side conversation, <laughs> um, how did you come to see the health benefits by doing therapy and adding physical fitness or and, and i know look at we all know kind of like that's kind of a world right mm -hmm. you know there's physical fitness involved in all military aspects whatever mos you are but mm -hmm. as well as you know we know the dynamics of you know everything that your body and your brain chemicals create when fitness is involved but powerlifting you said something that was that was kind of caught me was that it's a very uh, I guess you have to be in that moment and you have to give all of yourself to that moment for you to really do power lifts, right? It's not just a, a five pound curl. It's a, mm -hmm. a serious, your body has to be engaged. All the muscles have to be ready for, so you don't cause injury mm -hmm. and you have to be 100% in that moment. And how does that correlate to why that's such a, 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 I guess, a powerful tool for you in using in therapy? Well, there's two components of it. This can be applicable to any sport that you're in. It, say it's yoga or surfing or whatever you're into. Mine just happens to be powerlifting, but it's the mentality of intentionally doing the movements. Yeah. Okay. And so that's the key. Now for me with powerlifting, it's the more weight you can put on your back, the stronger as an individual that you feel. Mm. Because there's, there's this correlation between you can move that much weight with your body. That is a sense of being able to carry more baggage. 
kind no, of. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you can actually, for like me, I'm still trying to hit 300 pound deadlift, right? Like I was five pounds away from it. But like, you can walk out of that room and nobody in the world cares that you can lift 300 pounds. Right. Which is very similar to the combat veteran, which all the stuff you did over there, when you walk in through the grocery store, nobody cares. They just care that you're in their way. Exactly. And they don't understand what that world is. Right. Now with powerlifting, there's also the component of injuries. So Mm -hmm. you're going to come in through the door with all the injuries that you've had. And with the men that I have here that I trust, they will work with you so that your injuries aren't just overlooked and that the weaknesses in the muscles are balanced out and there's less uh, cortisone shots, there's less meds that uh, MDs want to put you on. Um, It's not like, oh, you're hurt, stop moving. It's like, okay, you're hurt, let's figure it out, let's get you stronger. And now the second part of it is, when you were in country, you could kick anybody's butt. Like, you felt sorry for the guy when you first came home that would try to break in through your window because you would destroy them. Well, now you're 40, you're 50. Uh, the injuries kicked in. It hurts to get out of bed. You can't really. I'm, quite I'm 39. Feel right. I just want to make sure this, I'm 39. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> but you know, like there's wear and tear to the body. Yeah, you no, for sure. Surgeries. For sure, and your so, body's not the same. Yeah, and now you don't feel as strong. Whether mm-hmm. or not you want to admit it, you're not as strong as when you were when you were 20. So now the hypervigilance at night comes into play harder. So then you don't sleep as well because you don't trust that if somebody were to come in through the door, you're going to hear them or physically respond quickly enough to take them out. And whether or not you can actually keep a weapon next to your bed because you've got kids or you just don't want to be that guy. Or maybe if you do, what if they're still faster than you? Yeah. So by adding the muscle that you do gain and the control and the self-confidence that you gain by doing this style of workout reinforces who you are as a 20-year-old and you sleep better, you respond better. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, your body's still in the fight and yes. that's a, it's, that's a, that's an important, that's a, there's value to, to that. There's this, there's, I've read a few books on this where it's, you know, the psychology of when someone gets shot that is coherent enough to handle it. Like if someone gets shot and then say, they say the cat, um, you know, you apply the tourniquet to their leg, but they say, unless you've lost a lot of blood, let him keep his gun. Right. Because mm-hmm. psychologically he's still in the fight. You know what I mean? Yes. At the same time, you know, if, once you take that from him, now you've taken him out of the fight psychologically, he can start to diminish really fast before getting him to definitive care. And it's this really interesting thought process. Like, yeah, keep them in the fight. Give them something to do what they're still feeling or psychologically they're out of the fight and then they start to diminish. And it's, yeah. it's an interesting thought process, but I, I can see where, I mean, I know when I'm in my best shape, I feel really proud of myself. I feel really good and confident and I know that I can protect myself. Right now, I'm probably some of the worst shape I've ever been in my life just because COVID, every excuse in the book I can give you. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but there's definitely some self-doubt, like, man, you know, if I had to get in the fight, man, it'd be t- it better end fast because I don't know if I have the cardio to last three minutes. You know, you know what I mean? And that is like, I don't, I don't want that thought process in my head. That's actually pretty uncomfortable to think of if you're with your kids and someone tries to attack you. Like, yeah, I got I gotta, you know, I got a 30-second wings windspan right now. <laughs> Let's do this. Yeah. And then like the demonizing of that point of well, you're in wherever it is that you're in, who's going to come attack you? Like, why am I thinking that? That's crazy. I'm at the mall. I don't know, yeah. wherever you're at. I'm wherever. at Target. No one's going to come and attack me in the parking lot at Target. And you're like, it doesn't matter that that's what you think. It matters that it has happened. I have been in a situation in which that did happen. 
So why would I not be prepared now just because I'm at Target when it did happen when I was going to the chow hall or I was, or yeah. I knew people that were on the toilet and it happened to them. Like that would well, be stupid see, of me to think that. Oh, we see it daily on the news of just like innocent people getting attacked. You just don't want, you, you don't want to be the guy that is trained to, to defend themselves for many years and not be ready for that moment when, when other people need you. Mm -hmm. Right. That's my head. I was like, man, I would hate to be that guy that this is where I'm good at. And when that, when that event shows up, that event, right. That whatever yeah. that event is that I'm always training for, uh, I better be ready for, for, for the grace of myself and everyone around, me, you know, mm -hmm. crazy. So that's how the powerlifting aspect came into play. Plus I don't have the patience for yoga. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I need it. I need to do yoga because starting to put my shoes on in the morning is like, I'm scuba diving. <laughs> Um, well, Samantha, please, um, tell me wh where's your gym at in, in, you said Orange County? Yeah. Uh, so it's Los Alamitos. Los Alamitos and, and the name, and that's where you're, that's the city. Yes. What's the name of your gym? If you don't it's mind. It's called, I, yeah. yeah. Uh, raw performance SC. Raw, raw performance SC. FC or SC? SC, like a uh, strength and conditioning. Um, nice. So. I mean, are you available to be taking on new clients, people that might want to be interested in talking to you? Is it okay for them to reach out to you? And where can they reach out to you if you're okay with that? I can send you all the links and everything, but just email me. Yeah. Uh, the name of the practice is CSRT, Psychotherapy. Um, they can contact you and you can forward them my information. Uh, right now, because of COVID, seeing people, I've been pretty flexible trying to figure out video and phone calls and people in the office. And Yeah, how are you doing with that? We're doing great, um, but I'm trying to figure out like the logistics of the phone call versus the video conference. So yeah. I've adapted over the past year. So, so I'm going to be creating a space for veterans here in Salt Lake City where they can show up and do a video conference with the counselor. And then I'll be having a nonprofit supply the funding to pay for your hours. Would you be interested in volunteering some time to that project? Uh, Let me know. Is weird. Yeah. Uh, no, I do. But the Board of Psych requires me uh, to get a license in Utah to see people in Utah. So okay. if you want to do this, I'll get licensed in Utah. Just give me a couple months <laughs> and then yeah. I can go do it. But uh, California is one of the only states that only lets you practice in your state. Well, that's good. I'm learning something here. So if I'm going to do that, I need to make sure that uh, whoever is going to be, because even, even on a web call, they, they, they can't be, they can't be in New York and you can give them, you know. If it's actual treatment. Yeah. No. Yeah. What because if then our license goes up into, um, we get in trouble. But I don't know about uh, social work or MFTs. I don't know about that. I just know with the clinical aspect, I have to get licensed in the other states. Okay, cool. Well, I'll look into it myself. Uh, I appreciate your time, Samantha. Seriously, uh, I think this has been very uh, informative. Can I add three things? Please, Adam, whatever you okay. need. Um, so I wrote four things that I feel as though I really wanted to go over. One is the value of the relationship that you have with your therapist is number one key to doing well in treatment. Okay. The second one is the weighted blanket. Wait, so, I mean, you said something about that. What, talk to me, what is that? It's kind of like a quilt. So you can find them at Walmart, Target, Amazon, whatever. And so what it is, it's a blanket that's supposed to be 10% of your body weight. Most people don't know how much to get. So I need a hundred pound. <laughs> <laughs> You're a thousand pounds. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. Um, so it's 10% of your body weight. It is not a swaddle blanket. Will it make you hot? Yes, it's a blanket. Um, put a bed sheet in between you and the blanket so that when you do sweat, um, you can wash that because it can't really ever 
washed the weighted blanket. And what it does, it suppresses your nervous system just a little bit. So when you're sleeping, you will naturally move so that blood doesn't pull. And for most of the combat veterans or anybody with trauma is that when you shift, that rustling of the skin against any kind of material will alert you because now there's something wrong, something bad happened. Well, with the weighted blanket, you're constantly just have that little bit of pressure. And so then you don't get woken up as much. And so Wait. you start to reestablish your circadian rhythm. Um, so I've never this, heard this. I've never in my life heard anything like this. And this is freaking interesting. I'm going to well, tell you There's a lot of evidence on it. Like it's not just, you know, yeah, fluff. It's actually supported by medical research. And so get the twin size blanket. You don't need the queen size or the king size to cover your whole bed. That's just a way for them to make more money or for the bed to look nice. But you really just need one to cover you. And then, so you get four hours today. Tomorrow you'll get four hours and one minute. And then you gradually build up to that. It is not a magic blanket. You will still have the nightmares. You will still have the hypervigilance. But if it gives you even just a little bit better sleep and higher quality of sleep, it's worth the cost. No, for sure. Yeah. Um, you don't need to get the nicest one. You can get one at Target. And if you don't like that weight or that size, you return it, you get something else. They do get pricey. So look around for it. Mine is from Target. It costs like $80 and it's 12 pounds. Yeah, it's 12 pounds. So um, therapy takes a lot of time, a lot yeah. of time. Uh, first, you're building the relationship. You get into stuff. Sorry, go ahead. No, it's, it's a funny thing. It's, it's with... It's kind of, uh, you know, the alcoholism, right? Alcoholism is kind of that quick mental fix where you think like, oh, this is what I needed. Therapy mm -hmm. is a long, long one. And that's kind of like the two aspects when veterans, you know, they're like, uh, it's, I don't feel anything working. Yeah, because therapy takes a long time. Yeah. What they, what they do like is that immediate gratification of taking a sip of beer and be like, ah, yeah, that feels better. Mm -hmm. You know, and so it's this funny thing of uh, the the alcohol community and the drinking community of the veteran culture, how we substitute the other, you know, they substitute something that was immediate gratification other than that long-term hard work of counseling. Which is the same for the gym. You have to work out a long time before you start actually seeing results. I agree. Yeah. Unless you want to take the fat pills and then, I mean, by all means take your fat pills, but you're, you still have to put some effort into it. Yeah. Um, it takes time. Oh, and it's kind of like maintenance on a car. You're going to do your oil change, and then you're going to have to ride a whole bunch of miles, and you're not going to have to pay any attention to it, and then you're going to need an oil change. It doesn't mean that you throw out the car. You just take your oil change. So with therapy, once you get established and you're doing all right, then you go on your way, and then something's going to happen, and you come back to therapy. You work on that thing. You go back on your way. Like It's a long-term maintenance because the events that happened have value. It's not just this poofy thing that should be resolved in 12 sessions and you're good to go. It's a big deal. Yeah. And the last thing, and this might just be more for me than anything else, we make mistakes. Yeah. I mean, I know I've made mistakes. I know people have left and I'm pretty sure it's because I did something wrong without intentionally doing something wrong. And for those men that have come back and been like, hey, you pissed me off. The relationship gets significantly stronger because I was given the opportunity to fix whatever I did that was wrong. So if you have a therapist or want to do therapy again because the other one's messed up, try to work on that relationship of giving them the opportunity to fix it. Mm -hmm. If you can tell that the mistake that was made 
wasn't intentional. It wasn't hurtful. Right. So I'm still learning. I make mistakes. That was my last point. More for me, probably. No, I love it. I appreciate it, Dr. Case or Samantha. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, you. That is one hour of talking that, I mean, it went by fast and I appreciate it. Um, I will be adding links that you send me. Okay. So when it's uploaded, people can click and they can find you and they can reach out to you about powerlifting or treatment or just to, to have questions. Yes. Um, and, and Samantha, I'd love to have you on here again later on. Uh, I thought this was pretty cool. So we'll, we'll yes. do it again soon. Sounds good? Yes, sir. Thank you for your time. Thank you. I took the blows and did